0: Well, let's just pray. Father God, we thank you for your goodness and the call that you have placed on each of our lives. Lord, give us ears to hear and a heart and mind to understand that calling more this morning as we look at that call to follow you. And we ask this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of people. Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of people. This is the call that if we choose to accept it, whoever we are and whatever we've done changes our identity. As we become children of God, it changes our eternal destiny that we go and be with God. But also, if we follow Jesus on a day-to-day basis, Putting his word into practice, and allowing the Holy Spirit to change us. We become more like him. He transforms us so that we can do what he did. That we can become fishers of people. In this short verse, Jesus defines what it looks like to be a disciple of his. A disciple of Jesus follows him. Jesus says, follow me. It's transformed by him. Jesus says, and I will make you. And then fishes of people. What do we transform to be? Fishes of people. To be a disciple of Jesus means to be with him. It means to spend your day with him. To be aware of him in your day-to-day um, lives. And as we be with him, we become like him. And as we become like him, we do as he does or did. As we read through the Gospels, we see Jesus calling ordinary people like you and me to follow him. Follow me, and I will make you fishers of people. Now, the question we need to ask is who are we following? Because we're all following someone or something. John Mark Comer writes in his book, we're all disciples the question isn't, am I a disciple? It's who or what am I a disciple of? You know, Everyone in this day and age likes to think they're a leader, not a follower. That we're all in control of our lives. But if we're honest, we're all following someone or something. If we're not intentional about becoming like Jesus... By following him, we will simply be conformed to the pattern of this world, as Paul made clear to the Christians in Rome when he wrote this. Do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. So, what we have to understand here is that the world is actively conforming us into its pattern of thinking, its lifestyle. Chris Cruz wrote this. He said, if you're not being intentionally formed by Jesus himself, then it's highly likely we're being unintentionally formed by someone or something. And Paul wrote Romans 2 to say, don't let it happen. Do not be conformed. It's in the active tense. He's saying, you will be conformed. If you don't, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And the way we stop that being conformed is we, 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 we get into the Word and we allow our minds to become like the mind of Christ. And as that happens, the Holy Spirit comes and He transforms us as we put into practice these things that we've learned. So the question we have to ask here is, what are you filling your mind with? Or where are you going to fill your mind? If you're filling your mind constantly with stuff on social media, constantly scrolling, then it's likely that you're going to become a person who's angry, anxious, arrogant, simplistic, and distracted. That's what the research shows. If we're filling our minds through streaming whatever platform or platforms that you use, it's most likely that you become lustful, restless, bored, and never present in conversations or if we're constantly in pursuit of whatever will help us escape from our pain or reality or our scars, our wounds, whether that's through drugs, alcohol, pornography, fitness, yoga, music, you could go on forever. Then there is a chance that you'll become compulsive, addictive, and running from your pain and the opportunity of the Lord to heal you. So who is your source? Where do you go? This is quite an interesting question. Where do you go when your day feels uncomfortable? Or you need peace? Do you go to the kitchen cabinet? Packet of crisps? Packet of biscuits? Maybe just one or two at the beginning? To a coffee? To the telly? To the internet? To the wine bottle? Or do you go to Jesus? Jesus said this remain in me that's constant remaining so i rem- i will remain in you no branch can bear fruit by itself it must remain in the vine neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me i am the vine you are the branches if you remain in me and i in you you will bear much fruit and apart from me you can do nothing so as we spend time abiding in Jesus' presence, being with Jesus, lying is His Word and His Spirit to work in us, to become like Him, His fruits start to, 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 to grow in our lives that Isaac talked about last week, the fruit of the Spirit. To become like Him, we must not just know the truth, but put it into practice. As we put it into practice in our day-to-day lives, we become like Him as the Holy Spirit changes us. And these practices help us to become like Jesus as the Spirit changes us through them. Like praying, reading scripture, resting in his presence and getting sleep, fasting, solitude, spending time in the church family, community, serving, being generous, and being his witness. These are the practices of old, the classical practices that we hear Jesus talk about. And he says, you know, at the end of the Beatitudes, he says, don't just be a hearer of my word. Don't be like a person who builds their life on sand. But be like a person who builds their house on rock. Put them into practice. Four things that are crucial for us to become like Jesus are the word of God. We need to fill our minds with the word of God. And we need to ask the Holy Spirit to come and change us as we put that into practice we need the help of the church family we need to encourage one another whether that's in house groups or you know when we meet together as we serve together and we need time you know discipleship takes time we don't you know we believe in jesus and we don't instantly become like him we start the process and the promises that he who began a good work in you will continue on until the day of christ jesus But you see, in our instant digital world, we want results now. You know, we expect that coffee now. We expect that Amazon parcel now. Someone shared with me this week, I found it really interesting. You know how sometimes we talk about the kingdom being the upside-down kingdom? Well, actually, I think it's it's just not the upside-down kingdom. It's the natural kingdom for how we're meant to live. We're meant to live... The way Jesus calls us to live, not in this fast-paced digital age. Now, please don't get me wrong. It's very helpful. We're seeing advances in health care, all things that can help. But actually, we need to remain in him. And if there are things that are stopping us from remaining in him, we need to get rid of them. He needs to be the focus. We're not following BBC News. It was really interesting. I, I, I was, um, I've been reading this book by Mark Churma, John Mark Comer, It's very challenging. And he said, on your phone, it will tell you what the first thing you do in the morning is. And if you go to your general screen, I don't know if it does this on Google, but on Apple, it tells you what is the first thing you do with your phone. So I was a bit nervous about this. But I was pleased to see that it was my Bible. That I use you version, and I'm, I go through my Bible in a year, and it's the first thing I do, I put my Bible on apart from turning the alarm off so it doesn't wake the rest of the house up. It's quite revealing looking at that and seeing what is the first thing that you do. As we fill our minds with Jesus' words so that we can develop the mind of Christ and put them into practice, the power of the Spirit transforms us and we become more like Jesus so we can do the things that Jesus did. And it's all in the power of the Spirit. That same spirit that was in Jesus is in us. I love in Luke 4 when Jesus declares in the synagogue, he says this. He says, um, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim liberty as freedom to the captives and becoming sight to the blind. To set at liberty or freedom those who are oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And What we see there is the same Holy Spirit who was on Jesus that enabled Jesus to do the things That he talked about, which was a messianic prophecy about what the kingdom would look like and what the Messiah would bring. That same spirit is in us. That Jesus has given us the spirit so that we can do the things that he wants us to do. To do the same things that he did. I, I, I love it that Jesus prophesied over his disciples That includes us. And this is what he said. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me, notice that, whoever, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. The Apostle John wrote it slightly differently. He said, this is how we know we're living in him, in Jesus. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. My goodness. My goodness. I don't know about you, but I find that very challenging. To live my life as Jesus did. To go after the kingdom of God. Jesus did his work in the power of the Spirit. And so we must also rely on the power of the Spirit in our lives. So that we become like Jesus, more like Jesus. To be transformed, but also then to proclaim and demonstrate the kingdom. The third part of being a disciple that I want to look at this morning is doing as Jesus did. Fishing for people. Fishing for the lost. And Jesus promises us that as we follow him, we become like him. And as this happens, we do as he did. We fish for people. So that others may enter the kingdom of God. Now Jesus is looking for people who are willing to go. To be fishers of people. And as they go, they're available to proclaim and demonstrate the good news of the kingdom of God. And what that looks like. And to do this, it's really key that we develop a practice in our life which John Mark Comer calls retreat and return. Can we all say that? Retreat and return. And we do that, why? Because Jesus did it. If you read through the Gospels, you see Jesus retreat into the Father's presence so that he could hear the Father's voice, remind him who he was, To prepare him for the day ahead, to be filled with the Spirit. And then he returned in order to do his Father's will and his Father's work. And we as, as disciples of Jesus need to do the same. We need to retreat into the Father's presence so that we can worship and adore him. We can refocus our lives. And yes, then that he can speak into our lives. That he can equip us and transform us and meet with us. For the needs that we have, so that we can then go and do His will and His work in the day ahead. But I don't know. Sometimes I think this is how we go into our day. It's like we get up, we have a shower, and then we're bang straight in. Oh, what's that first meeting? What that oh, oh like? And we have no awareness of what Jesus might be doing, wanting to do in our lives. As we return into the world from retreating we're ready to share the gospel, to be Jesus with our family, with our friends, our work colleagues and our neighbours. And it's in practicing retreating and returning we're ready to fish for people. And this morning I want to take the rest of the time to think about how do we most effectively fish for people in our current culture. How do we become disciples who are fruitful as Jesus calls us to? Remember to be fruitful means to become like Jesus but also to make other disciples. Now John Mark Comer wrote in his book, it's not secret that uh, it's no secret that increasingly post-Christian culture is no longer warm or even neutral to the gospel. It's hostile to it. Many people perceive Christianity as part of the problem, not the solution. Most secular people have zero interest in hearing the gospel. Preferring to look for salvation in other sources. And maybe you found that with your friends or your family or your work colleagues. There's, there might be an apathy or even a hostility to the gospel. That they don't realize that they, they're being conformed to the pattern of this world. And not being transformed by the gospel. And... You know, we shouldn't be surprised by that. Jesus faced hostility anywhere he he went. He faced the religious leaders or others who didn't understand him. I can remember while we were out sharing the gospel on the streets in the turning, we had a mixture of responses. People shouting, swearing, laughing, ridiculing, debating, but also accepting the good news of the gospel. So how are we to be fruitful in this day and age and be fishers of people? Well, I'm going to suggest that we do as Jesus did. Seems logical, doesn't it? If we're going to follow him, that we should, as we become like him, we do as he did. And you might be pleasantly be surprised by what I'm going to share with you this morning. I'm not going to tell you to go out in the streets, although if you want to, that's fine. One of the major ways that Jesus shared the gospel was by eating and drinking with people. Yes, you heard me right. I can see the glee coming on some of your faces. (laughs) I can do this for the gospel? Yes. If you look through the gospels and particularly through the gospel of Luke, you see that Jesus is eating and drinking with lots of different people. All the people that the religious leaders don't like him to eat with. And in that, there is an opportunity to share the gospel and demonstrate the gospel. To make time, make space for the gospel. I love the account of Matthew, uh, the tax collector or Levi, as it says. It says this, After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. The Levi got up, left everything and followed him. Then Levi had a great banquet for Jesus at his house, and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to his disciples, Why do you eat and drink with such tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered them, Is it not the healthy, is not the healthy you need a doctor, but the sick? I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Jesus made space for the gospel. By spending time with Matthew's tax-collecting friends, eating with them. And as he ate with them, he shared the gospel with them. He just demonstrated the gospel with them. I'm sure you know, people would say, oh, uh, Jesus, could you heal me? Oh, yes. Why have you come, Jesus? Or take Zacchaeus. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was. But because he was a short man, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree and to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. They go to the house and what does Zacchaeus do? Look, Lord, here now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anyone, anybody out of anything, I, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said, Today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham, for the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. Jesus made room for the gospel by eating with people. Meals bring people together and provide the opportunity to break down cross-cultural boundaries. In Jesus' day, there were certain people who were just not allowed, not invited to the Jewish family table. But Jesus invited them. Jesus invited the Gentiles, those who were considered unclean, prostitutes and those who were shunned, tax collectors. Jesus ate with all the wrong people. But he did so to provide space for the gospel. for people, So that he could invite people into the kingdom. And if you read through the gospel of Luke, there are over 50 times, 50 references to food. And one, one, um, one writer said this, In this gospel, Luke's gospel, Jesus is either going to meal, after a meal, or coming from a meal. And as we read through the gospel of Luke, we we come across two phrases which speak of Jesus' mission and method. The first is the one we've already heard in the calling of Zacchaeus. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. That's the mission of Jesus. He came to seek and save the lost. It's another way of thinking about what Jesus did. Seek and save the lost. There are many people out there who are lost. And the second phrase shows us how he did this, his method. The Son of Man came eating and drinking. Jesus made way for the gospel by eating with people. I know another way of describing that is using the word hospitality. Hospitality is a, is a compound word. It's made up of two words. Firstly, it's made up of the word philo, meaning love, and then zina, meaning stranger, guest, or foreigner. So if you put those two together, what you're doing when you're offering hospitality is offering love to a stranger or a guest or a foreigner. As we offer hospitality, we do so like Jesus did, making room for the gospel. And when I think, I don't know about you, but when I think of the word hospitality, these are some of the words that come up in my mind. Invitation. Who doesn't like receiving an invitation? Maybe a few of us. It speaks of generosity, that we share what we have with others. It speaks of provision. It speaks of kindness, safety, community, comfort, meeting a need, delight, and sheer joy. And these are all things of the kingdom of God, aren't they? That as we bring people around our tables, or we invite them out, or we take them for a coffee or a cake, whatever it is, actually, we are bringing the kingdom. We are sharing the kingdom. And these are all things that people need. In fact, as we offer hospitality, we're simply reflecting what Jesus did. We're being Jesus to people. It is not the radical, it's not really radical to invite someone to a meal, although it's becoming really radical in our culture today. Rosia Butterfield called this radical ordinary hospitality. and She wrote in her book, The Gospel Comes with a Key." She said this, Those who live it see strangers as neighbors and neighbors as family of God. They recall that reducing a person to a category or label. They see God's image reflected in the eyes of every human being on earth. Those who live out radically ordinary hospitality see their homes not as theirs at all, but as God's gift to use for the furtherance of this kingdom. They open doors. They seek out the underprivileged. They know that the gospel comes with a house key. It's a completely different way of thinking, isn't it? A rather individualistic that our That's the way of the world. That's the thinking of the world. Make sure you're comfortable. Make sure your family's, you know. It's actually saying, open your door. Invite. Offering hospitality is something we can all do. Because we all need to eat. Amen? I mean, you're all looking reasonably healthy out there. And Coma suggests, all we have to do is repurpose a few of these meals To offer God's great welcome. I love how simple it is. All we need to do is we're having a meal. So why don't we invite someone around? There's something very special about sitting around the table with a home cooked meal or a takeaway meal or whatever meal it is. Whether it's soup and some good bread, a roast dinner or beans and toast. I'm not fussy, you know. But it brings the barriers down and provides space for sharing the gospel. In our conversations of connecting people's stories with God's stories, of demonstrating the gospel in our actions, it makes space to be love. I know that some of you are really good at this. You're already doing this, and I know this is something that I need to get better at, but which I really enjoy doing. I love hearing people's stories. Offering hospitality, whether that's a meal or a coffee or a party, is an opportunity to welcome people, to make room for people around your table and make room for the gospel. And it's during these meals that I imagine Jesus demonstrated and shared the gospel with others, that he brought the kingdom. I found that at meals or during a coffee when I've got friends, that's a great opportunity. It provides great opportunity. Um, just to talk with people. And as we make room for the gospel by offering hospitality, we are sharing love. We're being love. It's an opportunity to be love. You cannot force the kingdom of God on anyone, but you can allow them to experience it, can't you? Just simply by sharing a meal with someone. Sharing friendship. I love in some cultures that actually inviting someone for a meal means you're inviting them to be a friend. And there's no greater gift is to offer friendship to someone. One of my favorite accounts of the resurrection is where two men or two disciples are following Jesus or walking on the road and Jesus comes and they don't know who he is and he answers all their questions, but when does he reveal himself? It's during the meal. As he breaks the bread and their eyes are open, they say, didn't our hearts burn whilst he talked with us on the road? See, I think Jesus often shows up when we're having meals with people. One of my favorite um, worship leaders is a guy called Jason Upton. And he wrote uh, in, in his album, which is called A Table Full of Strangers, he wrote this song called um, Every Table is an Altar. And I remember the first time I heard it, it really made me think, what on earth is he saying? And I, and I and then I kind of got the lyrics and it says this. Every table is an altar. Every breath is a gift from you. Every moment is a treasure. Every day is a gift from you. So let our hearts be awake, be awake. Let our hearts be awake, be awake. So let our hearts be awake, be awake. Let our hearts be awake. Every stranger has a story. Every story is being told by you. Your children, all, we're all children on a journey. Jesus, only you can lead us through. So let our hearts be awake. Break the bread, pour the wine, let our hearts come alive in your presence, in your presence. Let our fear fall away. Let our faith rise today in your presence. See, I think he's on to something here. I think a table is a place where Yes, we have meals, but it's also an altar. It's a place which is holy and a place of sacrifice. I think in writing this song, Jason wanted us to think that where we eat can provide a place where Jesus comes, where heaven breaks in. A place where we can be, a holy place where we can gather and invite others to gather and experience his presence. The table where we eat can be a a portal, a place where the kingdom breaks in. But an altar is also a place of sacrifice. And sometimes when we invite the stranger or the guest, those who the world has shunned, or we might not feel completely comfortable, or we f- feel it's inconvenient, because of the pressure it might make to our time and energy, it can be a sacrifice. But as we look to sacrifice our time and our resources, making room for the gospel, often something very special happens. The table place becomes an encounter place where conversations, where sharing the gospel happens naturally. And that table place becomes a very thin place. I remember uh, a while back now eating pizza with some homeless people in D.C. who were being cared for by a group of nuns. The homeless men were all in the very last stages of dying of AIDS. As we ate, I have to say I felt uncomfortable at first. It was the 90s and there were still lots of sm- uh, scaremongering about AIDS. But as we ate and shared a wee bit about our lives, the presence of God came in such a powerful way. And I was reminded of God's heart for the lost. His compassion for those who, are, who need to be healed. Not just physically, but spiritually. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. The Son of Man came eating and drinking. I have to think these are the thin places. We've received the kingdom freely. And now Jesus calls us to give away the kingdom, to to allow people to experience the kingdom of heaven in a very real way through our kindness, through our generosity, through our hospitality, through our words, through our prayers. You know, one of the reasons why we do Social Sunday is to provide an opportunity for you to invite your friends and your family. It's always the first Sunday of the month. We don't have an evening service. I don't know if some of you find that hard. But we want to be a people who actually, we're not so busy that we can't provide space for people to come and to be. To be around our table and experience the kingdom of heaven through our words and our actions. Making space for the Gospels takes time and effort. But oh, the blessing to see someone experience, for someone to encounter, realize that not just loved by us, but loved by Jesus. As we share and demonstrate the Gospel, we invite them in to follow Him. This morning, I wish that blessing on each of you. That as you make space for the Gospel, with hearts awakened to what God might do through that, as you make your table an altar and invite the stranger in, the lost, the broken, simply being love, that you will receive more of the kingdom and that you'll see the kingdom come. A disciple of Jesus does as he did and makes space for the gospel. We all eat. We just need to repurpose some of these eating times and invite friends, invite even strangers. People who we might just have met. Invite our work colleagues. Remember inviting someone into your home. It's your home. And they can experience maybe what they can't in the workplace. Why don't we pray? And if the band can come back up, that would be great. Lord Jesus, the life that you call us to actually is calling us to slow down. It's not to speed up. It's to make space for you, to be with you, to become like you, and then to do as you did and make fishes of people. Lord Jesus, help us as we continue to follow you to see the things that are stopping us from following you, from stopping us, that are filling our minds, that are stopping us from from becoming like you, developing that mind of Christ, and that are stopping us from doing as you did. Lord, whether we're good at cooking or not, help us, would you put people on our hearts that we can start to invite around the table, start to build trust, start to build relationship with, and provide opportunities, thin places for the kingdom of God to break in. Just as Jesus did. And invite them to experience the gospel. To hear the gospel. And to see that lived out in our lives. So calm, Holy Spirit. Lord would you renew our minds. Would you renew our minds. Would you help us to Really start to think about what it means to follow you, Jesus. Not what we think, but what you think. I'm gonna, uh, we're going to go back into worship. We're going to ask the ministry team to come up. And just if you... You're, uh, I have been really challenged over the last, probably, since I've been thinking about discipleship again. About what does it mean to follow Jesus? And I don't think I'm living it. I think I need to reorder my life. When I was away on holiday, I, was, I wrote down what I thought a bit of my life should look like on a day-to-day basis. And everything in the world, in the world is trying to stop me from living that out. It, the world wants to conform me to its thinking, its likeness. And it's a, I'm finding it a battle at the moment to put some of these practices into place in my life so that I can become more like Jesus. It's, it's like practices, habits are just like a, it's like a trellis that the vine kind of works through. They're not everything, but they help us provide opportunities for the Holy Spirit to change us. It is, it's radical. Following Jesus is completely radical. It will, it will turn your life upside down. But he's called you for such a time as this, to be Jesus in the places that he's put you. But let's spend time retreating and returning, retreating and returning. So if the ministry team can come up, and simply this morning, if you just want, if you want to follow Jesus, just come up. Just as an act, and the, and the ministry team will just pray for you. Pray for you for that that hunger to follow Jesus, that hunger to spend time with him and to become like him and then to do as he did. That's the simple, it's just a simple call. It's like a call of Jesus, follow me, spend time with me, become like me and do as I did. It's a simple call to respond. Um, so if the, the prayer ministry team, if you could come up now, and we might need quite a few. So if you could come up, that would be wonderful. We're gonna go back home to worship and please just respond respond. I know some of you this is a big step coming up for ministry and if it's too much just stay in your seat and just say Jesus I want to follow you. But if you want to come up and just say I need your help Holy Spirit. Yes I need your help. We can't do this by ourselves. Remember we have to remain. If we don't remain it's not going to happen. So Holy Spirit would you just come now and just whether we're in our seats or as we respond. Lord God We want to be followers of you, Jesus. We want to just not spend time with you, but become like you and do as you did. To come, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.